0: I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Living with Synergy podcast. My name is Colby Cullum, and I'm your host and Bible teacher here. We are in a series called Romans Galatians Obtaining and Living in Righteousness with God. Romans and Galatians are written by Paul the Apostle. And as I alluded last time, he was first mentioned in Acts chapter 7. His real name is actually Saul And he himself changed his name to Paul. Again, Paul means little one. And I'm sure that he changed his name to Paul because he found himself little in the eyes of the Lord. And today I want to go ahead and give some backstory behind Paul, who wrote these incredible books. His story is pretty cool. And he's first mentioned in Acts chapter 7, when the first martyr of Jesus happened. Saul was one of the men who consented to the death of this apostle named Stephen, and he was present, and he, he was all for it. And so it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, this is Stephen, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice Lord do not charge them with this sin and when he had said this he fell asleep now Saul was consenting to his death At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. So Paul was heavily involved, not only in the death of Stephen, but also in this this onslaught of getting people out of this Jesus sect. He was very zealous in persecuting the church because of their belief in Jesus. Now, later on in his life, Paul is on trial And he testifies of his upbringing, and even to this particular period when he wreaked havoc with the church. Notice Paul's testimony in Acts chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews." especially because you're an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first. If they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities." See, Paul said that his upbringing is familiar to everyone as he was brought up in the strictest sect of Pharisees. And he goes into more detail about these credentials in Philippians. I want you to notice this in Philippians chapter three, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, because I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. See, Paul was saying that if anyone had anything to boast about that surely earned the right to be right with God, it was him. See, Saul, he was a Jew and he was a very zealous Jew. He was a Jew who was brought up as a Pharisee and Pharisees were very zealous and um, very serious in keeping the law of God. Um, Many people ascribed to be Pharisees. And the fact that, Saul had permission from the chief priests and was a Pharisee who went into the houses of these Christian believers, dragging them off from synagogues and putting them into prison. Um, that's just showing just how zealous of a Pharisee he was. Now, Pharisees, they weren't heathens in the sense of, of people who, who don't care about God. No, he was a zealous Pharisee because he genuinely feared God. It was actually not in his own name or the name of his nation, but in the name of God, in which he genuinely felt compelled and concerned in in being so drastic of, of, of throwing these people into prison. And not only that, but casting his vote for some of them to be killed because they were going against the law of his God. And so he's making a point here in Philippians chapter three that, listen, if anyone has anything to boast of his credentials of of being saved, if you will, if it was apart from Jesus, well, I was circumcised the eighth day. And again, circumcision was huge to the Jews because circumcision wasn't just a medical practice that some doctors came up for little boys. Circumcision um, began with God. It was God who instituted the practice with Abraham, and it was assigned to Abraham that him and his descendants were to circumcise their their males to show that they were the people of God. Very interesting how God instituted that. Nonetheless, that is the truth, and it was passed on from generation to generation to generation to where it was still a big deal in the days of Jesus and Paul. So he was circumcised the eighth day. So he's good to go there. He was an Israelite. He wasn't a Gentile. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. And if anyone was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Jew of the Jews, it was him. If anyone was zealous for Jewish traditions, it was him. When it came to to keeping the law of God, it was him. He was blameless when it came to keeping the law and righteousness, which was in the law. And not only that, if anyone was zealous for God, than he was, because he's the one who took it into his own hands to persecute this church of Christians. So concerning zeal, persecuting the church, and he goes into more detail of that in Galatians chapter one, verse 13. He says, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism. So Judaism was, was the, the form of religion under the law of Moses. It was apart from Jesus. It's what the Jews held. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So that is Paul pre-Christ. He wasn't just a heathen who was addicted to alcohol and drugs and sex. No, before Christ, he was a very zealous believer in God and in the law of God, okay? And so it's quite amazing what his, his past entails. Um, it's something to be commended to a lot of people. But I want you to notice how he became this zealous Pharisee to the boldest apostle of Jesus. How does someone be so zealous to throw disciples of Jesus into prison and even cast his vote for them to die, for him to be literally the boldest communicator and preacher of Jesus? So here's the story of his conversion. Acts 9 tells of the actual happening of the story, and Acts 26 is Paul retelling the event. I'd like to read from both passages as it provides a bit more detail, putting them together. That's that's how I like to read the word of God. if, If something is reiterated or repeated in different places. So in Acts chapter nine, verse one talks about this. Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he got permission from the priest to go to Damascus and bring anyone who was a follower of Jesus bound in chains to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who who, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished, said, Lord what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. That's pretty that's pretty amazing. Man, knocked off his high horse by a shining light, which happened to be Jesus himself. And here, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? That'll preach. Now, he retells this in Acts chapter 26. Notice this, verse 12. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, "'Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads.' And so I said, "'Who are you, Lord?' And he said, "'I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, "'but rise and stand on your feet, For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's pretty amazing how Jesus, when he chooses someone, he sees who they are beyond what they are currently. That's amazing. He's saying, listen, you're persecuting me, but I'm choosing you and sending you to open the eyes of people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among the saints. Hallelujah. Verse 19, therefore, King Agrippa... I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, I'm sure he wasn't. It was quite a quite a dramatic entrance from Jesus. I don't know if I'd be disobedient to the heavenly vision. But declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem, boy, he he didn't waste any time. He he was on his way to Damascus to arrest people instead, they were the first converts of Paul about Jesus. I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Now back to Acts chapter nine. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. This is back on the road to Damascus. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Dude, he, he didn't eat or drink for three days because this heavenly vision, this, this light blinded him for three days. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, And he said, "'Here I am, Lord.' So the Lord said to him, "'Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, "'Lord, I have heard from many about this man.' How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul... And I love that about Ananias. He didn't go in fear. He even called Saul brother. He was convinced by Jesus enough that this man was changed. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. He arose from there and was immediately baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, "'Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem?' and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Quite amazing how he was able to just totally prove that Jesus was the Christ just by being a convert within a few days. See, Paul's conversion was like my dad's. My dad describes his conversion as going from Satan to Jesus overnight. He's scared and greatly concerned, his friends and family, by the abrupt, drastic change in his life. Seriously, he was addicted to drugs and just overnight, done, willy-nilly. And not only that, but the purpose of his life and reading the Bible, wanting to go to church, it was as—it it in, a, in a snap of a finger. It's crazy. Not many people have that type of story, but that was the case for my dad. And it was the same with Paul overnight, completely new person. And going back to the main reading of Romans and Galatians, Paul says in Galatians chapter one, verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel, which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that is fascinating. Paul's gospel that he preaches and teaches, he received special revelation from Jesus himself as Jesus already insinuated when he first met with Paul on the road to Damascus. I'm going to show you things um, of what you need to preach to the Gentiles, to kings and to the children of Israel. Now back to verse 13 of Galatians 1, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Paul's just giving his credentials here. He, He met with Peter after three years of of being in the church. Afterward, verse 21, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Chapter two, verse one, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. So Paul's first mentioned in Acts 9, and then it talks about Peter and Acts 10 or yeah, Acts 10 and Acts 11 as well. But then the last half of Acts 11 and then 12 and 13, they give a screenshot of the first 14 years of Paul's ministry. He partnered with a man named Barnabas, and they traveled to many different places throughout Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They preached everywhere, made many disciples, cast out demons, and healed people. They were also severely persecuted by Jews. How ironic is that? How Paul severely persecuted uh, believers, Jewish believers, and now he was being severely persecuted by Jews. When Paul was first saved, at the beginning of the church's existence, they preached to Jews only. And finally, after much resistance to the gospel by the Jews, Paul and Barnabas said, Okay, we quit, we're done with you, you've rejected the gospel, we're going to someone who will listen. We are going to the Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles are non-Jews, anyone who is not a Jew. And the fact that they took the gospel to the Gentiles caused a great stir in the early church. The core wrestling reason was because saved Jews genuinely thought that you had to be a circumcised individual, as God directed Abraham, in order to be saved by Jesus. Because the division was becoming such a great ordeal, They went to Jerusalem to discuss it with all the other apostles. And there they told them everything that had transpired in their ministry over the last 14 years, well, to show their legitimacy with the Gentiles, as well as the Gentiles' genuine salvation without being circumcised. My dad told me when he was first saved, and he was on fire for God, when he says he went from Satan to Jesus overnight, he meant that he was downright addicted to drugs And overnight quit the drugs and fell head over heels in love with Jesus, devoured the word of God. I mean, he burnt the midnight oil reading the Bible. He had people tell him that he wasn't quite saved yet because he wasn't water baptized. Yet instinctively, he just knew that that couldn't be right. Like he knew he was saved because if you knew who he was before this, you would agree he is different. He was changed. He was saved. And this is the same principle the church struggled with having salvation in Jesus, yet also needing to keep the law and be circumcised. I'd like to read the account in Acts 15. This was when they came to Jerusalem that 14 years later and went to the apostles. I want to read most of the chapter because it's just it's just a great a great story. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joys to to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, You know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do we test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge... That we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. And then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with the words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, by the way, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter, and when they had read it, They rejoiced over its encouragement. Isn't that an amazing chapter? I mean, that that really is cool. Now let's go back to our main reading in Romans and Galatians. Paul sets the record straight why he's more than qualified as an apostle to the Gentiles. Remember, Titus was with Paul and Barnabas when they went to the the council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. So Galatians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Yet not even Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. He believed in Jesus, but he didn't feel the need to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us to bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows no personal favoritism to any man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, who was Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So that just gives a little backstory of Paul what his beginning was, how he came into the church, and how he became this dynamic apostle, and just his, his partnership with the early apostles like Peter and James and John, and this is cool. Paul was commissioned by Jesus, called by Jesus to be a spokesman, a representative, an apostle to work effectively toward the uncircumcised, toward the Gentiles, toward those who are not Jews. So now we are going to officially get into the heart of Romans and Galatians, and I'm excited to get into it. So until next time, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen.